This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. We're off and running, people. Saturday, April 3rd. Hey, you. How you doing? Jam-packed three-hour extravaganza in store. I am Gordon Damer. This is 98.7 FM ESPN. New York. Plenty to keep us busy over those next three hours. So, of course, let's dive right in. Number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. I am on Instagram, also at Gordon Damer. And uh, look, we got tons to talk about, right? Mets season can't begin. To some, the Yankee season is already over. And uh, the Knicks season apparently is currently on fire. So we got lots to do over the next three hours. We'll touch on the Final Four, which gets underway tonight. You heard there in the Sports Center, Gonzaga's coronation seems to uh, be underway, right? Two more games until that's complete. We got 26 days until the NFL draft, 26, and only 26 more mock drafts to go. What will we do after the mock drafts are over? Because it certainly seems like in the next 26 days for my team, the Dolphins, who pick sixth, and I guess for the Giants as well, who pick 11th, the fact you know, it seems like, right, picks one, two, and three. One, obviously, is Trevor Lawrence. Two is Zach Wilson. That's locked in, right? We can go final. If this were Jeopardy, not Jeopardy, what's the other one? Who wants to be a millionaire? Lock it in. Zach Wilson, number two. And then it's certainly, maybe maybe you put it in pencil, not pen, but all the signs seem to be the Niners are taking Mac Jones at number three, which really would be awesome because that really kind of opens things up for the Falcons, for the Bengals, and then most importantly for my team at six. But I think also for the Giants, if you're a Giant fan and you have your eyes set on like one guy to drop down maybe a little bit to 11, the Niners taking Mac Jones certainly leap. I don't think anybody else is going to take Mac Jones before the Giants pick at 11. So if you can get a guy off the board who was not expected to go up until about a couple of weeks ago in that top 10, uh, a better chance, better possibility that someone drops down to, to you. But all right, let's start with the Knicks because uh, I think at this point, Nick fans can be separated into two groups after they've lost to the Mavericks last night. Those who have hit the panic button and those who have not hit it yet, but they know exactly where it's located. Knicks lost to the Mavericks last night, uh, what was it, 99 to 86. The only positives were that uh, Obi Toppin certainly had his best game, I think, of the season. I don't even really think that that's debatable. And uh, I guess the other positive, it's not—it's more of a silver lining. We don't have to hear any more ridiculousness that the Knicks won the Porzingis trade. We're not gonna—we're not gonna hear that one for the next couple of weeks, at the very least. Early on in the season, that was snowballing, right? There's a, there was a portion of Nick fans that were certainly on that train. That train has more than enough seats available now, but the Knicks have lost three straight, so that means they are back under 500. They've gone from, you know, four, five in the East down to seven, eight in the East, tied with the Celtics. They get the Pistons tonight, a game which you can phrase it any way you want, must win, can't lose. You have to win that game. If, if, if you think that there are Knicks fans panicking now, lose the Pistons in the same seven-day span that you already lost to the Timberwolves. Oh, forget about it. The, sh- the ship be sinking. How far can it sink? Sky's the limit. That, that will certainly be apropos for the Knicks if they lose to the Pistons tonight because not only do, would you lose to one of the worst teams in the sport, then you get Brooklyn, then you get Boston, and the second-half schedule is uh, absolutely brutal. So let's tackle last game's 
uh, last night's game first. Because it, it seems to me that there's more than enough to pick through there. And we'll certainly take your calls on the Knicks, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And, and look, that was a game that was going to be very difficult to win. Maybe one reason why you had some optimism going in was because it seems like anytime the Knicks have a stinker, and not that they've had many of them, but the loss to the Timberwolves cannot be described any other way. It seems like that is the galvanizing moment of clarity that they need to come back and, and play with the efficiency that they play on defense, that they play with effort and all those type of things, and certainly in offense as well. But that was not the case. Randall had a terrible game. Uh, obviously, R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly were not very good. Derrick Rose was one for 10. So it was just a, it was a nightmare performance offensively all the way around. And, you know, it's funny because at one point this year where Julius Randle was playing like the all-star that he was, there was some talk. Well, you know what? See, you don't have to worry about all these minutes. All these minutes, they're not a real concern. Well, maybe all those minutes might have some merit now because over his last four games and certainly over the last three since he uh, had that thing with his thigh or his, his leg or whatever it was, he has not seemed like the same guy. That Minnesota game had some shots late that you could have been able to pull out that game if he had hit, has not been. And look, if, if Julius Randle does not play like the all-star that he has been this year, the Knicks are in trouble. They have no plan, it doesn't seem, for when he's off. Now, I don't know. Maybe there can't possibly be a plan for when he is off. But it certainly seemed like last night it was clear that he was having a bad game, and it was almost like the Knicks were like, well, you know what? We're going down with the ship. It doesn't seem like there's a real strong plan B. And maybe, obviously, last night there could be no plan B because everybody, all, everybody else that you generally rely on, we've, we've touched on this time and time again, the way the Knicks, the, the margin for error for the Knicks is very, very slim. And it's dependent upon Julius Randle being the guy who, who is the focus of the offense for R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly to play strong secondary games and then you hope on a regular basis, not that it's necessarily one guy, but that someone else steps up. Sometimes it's Alec Burks. Sometimes it's been uh, Derek Rose. Sometimes it's been, you know, uh, Bullock. It's been different guys here or there. But those two, th those two or three, the, the Randall, Barrett, quickly, they have to, you have to almost bet on two of those three playing very, very well for the Knicks to win games. And when all three are playing poorly, well, there's not much of a plan B. I like Tom Thibodeau. I think he's done an amazing job. If you were to just single out last night's game, I think that you would say not playing Obi Toppin basically at all in the second half after the eighth pick in the draft finally starts to show you some signs of life. And also on a night where you score, what did I say, 85 points, 86 points, whatever it was, uh, that, that seems to be a mistake. But look, I'm not going to hit the panic button because, again, most nights Julius Randle is not going to shoot 5 of 20. On most nights, Barrett and Quickly are not going to combine to shoot uh, 5 of 20. And on most nights, Derrick Rose is not going to be, uh, I think it was 1 of 10 from the floor. So I think more of your anger for that game last night might tie into the Porzingis angle, and, but really it should tie into being angry about the loss of the Timberwolves. That's the inexcusable performance. And that is the game that the Knicks cannot afford to lose. They've had their blip. They've had their moment. They, they now have their warning. If you continue to lose games like that, 
you will very much be more the focus of the play in game rather than being one of the top six seeds in the Eastern Conference. And I'll be honest with you, being one of the top six seeds in the Eastern Conference was always, I mean, it, it, the, the, the margin for error there was always going to be very narrow, mainly because there are more than six teams in the Eastern Conference that are more talented than the Knicks. Now, I can say this with, with a certain level, uh, with 100%, uh, I think, uh, definite feeling behind it. The Knicks are going to be in the playing game. At the worst case scenario, they are going to be one of the top 10 teams. And it's not really about a prediction for the future as much as it is just simple math. The math in the Eastern Conference, I know that you know when, when they lose games like to the Timberwolves or, or maybe like last night, there's a tendency, oh, well, here we were waiting for the roof to cave in. And here the roof would really have to be on fire and cave in for the Knicks not to be part of the play in this year. The Bulls are 10th right now. So that's like the, the, the final spot, right? They're nine games under 500. As bad as the Knicks have played here and as bad as things have gotten, they're one game under 500. There's still more. Now, look, I don't want to be the 10th team, so I'm not saying that you have margin for error, but just in terms of math, you have a large margin for error. And keep in mind, the Bulls, the Knicks would have to basically lose just about all of their games at this point of the season for the Bulls to catch up because I'm telling you right now, the Bulls are not going on a six-game winning streak. That's not going to happen. And the Raptors are 11th, and they're 11 games under 500. And the rest of the Eastern Conference, nobody else is even trying. So I will say with a, a certain level of clarity, yes, don't take a breath, Nick fans. That's always a good motto for life. When things seem to be spiraling, spiraling out of control, take a breath. Because newsflash, if you can't beat out the Bulls and the Raptors, well, then this entire season has been a mirage. And you don't deserve to be part of the playoffs, the play-in, the play-down, the play-up, whatever play you want to go with. So I get it that things don't look good right now. And the schedule is not favorable. I, I saw that I think it was either the, they have the second or third hardest schedule the rest of the way. So I know what's coming when we open up the phones at 1-800-919-ESPN is, well, look, clearly the Knicks should have made a trade. Why did they not make any improvements before the deadline? Take a look at what uh, Miami got for, for Oladipo or gave up for Oladipo or Evan Fournier, what, you, what the Celtics gave up for Evan Fournier. Well, look, I, I think that when you saw the trade deadline come and go, there was a portion, uh, I think, of everybody who said, wow, you know, th those teams didn't give up a lot, right? Giving up a second-round pick for another shooter, maybe that would have been the way to go. But when it ties into what the Knicks are going through right now, I, I hate to break it to you. If the scenarios that you are describing about the Knicks and the, the danger they're facing and the trouble they're in, that was not going to be fixed by Evan Fournier or Victor Oladipo. Oladipo's played one game for Miami. He's had six points. Fournier has played three games, heavy minutes, and is averaging 10. So, yes, I understand uh, there, is some, there are some reasons for concern. Most of all, that Julius Randle seems to have kind of hit a little bit of a skid. The Knicks cannot afford that, and they've got no plan B. But I think most of their issues are internal, and fixing them have to come from the Knicks themselves. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 
888-346-3776. So coming up, we'll get into the Knicks a little bit. I'm going to look over my shoulder here and see that the Yankees are still clinging to the one-run lead. 3-2, need a win today because, boy, oh, boy, if you thought the, the Yankee season was in trouble after hearing some people after day one, could you imagine, could you imagine if they lost two games in a row? All of their games that they've played, they've lost. So, look, this is... This might be must-win territory. This second game, of the, I remember in 98, I was uh, working at a different station, and someone else who was, was working there, big sports fan, the Yankees had started one and three. And I remember having a conversation with him, him saying, you know what, if the Yankees don't turn this around in a week, they're going to have to fire Joe Torre. <laughs> I said, you think? You think four games into the season? Spoiler alert, they turned it around. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Yankees clinging to the 3-2 lead there against the Blue Jays in the Bronx. Mets don't play until Monday, which uh, it's got to be torture for Mets fans. At least now you know it's not going to, you know, right? You, you, you know, like opening day was just brutal because you're expecting a game that day and for it to come down when it did. And then you think, all right, well, I can hold out until Saturday. And then even before Saturday gets there, no, it's, it's going to be Monday. So uh, tough, it's tough. Met, the Met season can't get started in the Yankee season. A loss today, I think they're officially on the way. It might be the case. All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. If you want to get out on the Knicks, the Yankees, we'll start things off with Sam is in the Bronx. Sam, what's going on? What's going on, Gordon? How you doing, man? Happy, I'm good, man. What's happy, up? Good afternoon and happy Easter, first of all. Thank you. Thank Same you. to you. Um, I want to speak about the Knicks and Julius Randle. Um, I think he's going to be just fine, man. He, um, the minutes, I know they're piling up on him. And I, I want to speak also about the second unit. At that second option has to be J.L. Barrett, man. He has to step up. And Tibbs has to definitely give Obi Toppin some more time, man. You got to integrate him to the offense. He's the top 10 pick. You got to let the guy play. Yeah, um, I mean, well, look, I mean, I think for Toppin, he had to show you something as well. But he did show you something last night. And in a night where nothing was worse, I mean, no, nobody could hit a shot. I would have thought that – I think he got four minutes in the entire second half for a guy who you've kind of been waiting for it to – to see some signs of life, uh, to finally get some signs of life in a game that was – What's that? Four minutes is not enough. Yeah, no, he, he definitely has to. And now, look, he, he, can't, he can't go back to uh, the way he has played. You know, a lot of this season he's kind of – he's really been, it seems like, lost on the court. But you're right. I mean, um, with the, the – the Knicks don't have that much talent that they can av- avoid uh, giving Toppin – who was the eighth pick in the draft, serious run on nights where he looked like he did yesterday. And also I want to say, too, just to go off the topic, okay. the coach had changed. That's why we didn't make a trade this season. You know, we want to, we don't want to be the same old Knicks. We're the new-look Knicks now. We want to make it an attractive market. We want to sign a big free agent in the summer, and I think that's what the two up there is doing, man. They're doing a good job. Yeah. Well, look, see, I think that they looked at the market. And thanks for the call. I think that there's some some minor moves that they could have made. But let's keep in mind, they they were minor moves, right? Like they were not going to dramatically change uh, the Knicks' fate of the players that were moved. And I think it's important to keep in mind, 
the expectation has clearly changed from the beginning of the season, right? The Knicks were supposed to win. According to Vegas, they were supposed to win 21 games. So they've already exceeded that, or 22 games. What They've already exceeded that. So I get that our expectations have changed, but I think that the organization was also looking at, you know what? We're going to be one of the top 10. Almost certainly we are going to be one of the top 10. So let's hold on to our resources in the first year of the re- – this is the first year. I know the Knicks have stunk forever, but this is the first year with the coach. This is the first full year with the, with the team president in Leon Rose. And this is the first – I mean, look, last year was his rookie year, but, you know, R.J. Barrett, who has taken steps forward, not recently, not the last couple of games, I get it, but this is the first step. So, any, I I don't look at it if you get into the play-in and don't get into the playoffs, this season is an epic disaster. I know some will because the the expectations changed, but I look at get into the play-in, hopefully they can get into the playoffs. If they don't get into the playoffs, it is disappointing from where they have been and the state of the Eastern Conference. But I think the organization is looking at it as, you know what, we can, we can take our first minor step this year by being one of the top ten, but the big step, the next real step, is going to take place in the offseason. Uh, let's go out to Spike is no longer in Jersey. I think that's how I'm going to refer to him from now on. Spike, what's going on, pal? <laughs> that's a good one. I, I, I told you, Spike and St. Pete will be the moniker if you choose okay. to, or just sure. or call me call me late for dinner. I'm happy. Uh, here's the deal with the Knicks first, then one Yankee comment, and it's a pleasure to talk to you. Happy Easter to you and your family. Just Same stay you. safe and enjoy your family. I talked to you two nights before uh, where they really blew the game, and uh, the scenario, they got to stop having Randall continually bring up the ball. You see what they're doing. You and I, Larry, spoke about it. They're packing the middle. They're playing the zone. They're forcing the wrong guy to take the shot. You and I both love R.J. Barrett, Barrett as Larry does, but I have trouble with his shot. And if they're going to force him to take a shot, the last one in the other game was pathetic. Now, I don't blame the youngster. They know he's strong going to the rack. But they've got to figure out, even quickly, who was, had nothing going that night, belonged on the floor. Because Alfred Payton, and you're not going to argue with me at all, cannot shoot a lick. No. But he has this ability to get to the basket, but he doesn't finish. finish. They have a very, very poor offensive team and a very good defensive team. The separation is a chasm, Gordon, and it's going to uh, eliminate them from closing out games. And that's a big problem. Now, lastly, I agree with you. If they get to the play-in game, the experience will help. I also agree with you completely that everybody else looks like they're they're tanking underneath. They've emptied out their rosters. So they're enjoyable to watch, but when you get to the end of that game, as good a coach as Thibodeau is, if they're playing his own, you've got to put your best shooters. You've got to put Bullock and Burks out there and quickly and get the ball to one of them if they're doubling Randall. Do you see my theory? Yeah, no, I mean, I, look, uh, the, the people that they have, uh, especially Burks, it's not like they have any other other competition to, to hit, some, hit some shots, right? Like, especially last night with Derek, right. Derek Rose is not giving you anything on the offensive side of the ball. He's not really giving you a whole lot. Uh, so they got to – I don't know what exactly has – I guess maybe it's, start, it's still partly the, the COVID situation. Maybe that's why he struggled coming back because he has not looked like the same guy as he was when he first got here. Well, look, let me tell you something. I'll correct you on that or discuss it with you real quickly. In the first half, the last game, the second unit, which is usually a better offensive unit, yeah. scored, did well, outscored the better, outscored the starters. 
and they died in the second half. Totally died. They were three for 20 uh, between Quickly and Rose. If that's the case, first of all, at the end of the game, with your last possession, take Knowles out, get him out, spread your three shooters out, throw the ball into Randall, and let him pick Burks, Bullock, or Quickly to take the last shot. Don't give it to R.J. Barrett. Really, it's not fair to give it to that youngster. You're going to kill his uh, confidence. And, and that's it. One quick Yankee comment. So I'm down here. My wife's at the beach. I got everything going. You love it down here. You Like you say, you go in your basement and you disappear during football right. season. I yes. got the Yankee game on. I got the tubes queued up for the college games and the Nick game tonight. And uh, it's nice, and the weather's beautiful. So, uh, listen, again, happy Easter. Always love talking to you guys, and I'll talk to you during the week. All right, there's Spike, formerly of Jersey. I think, I think that that's the way he used to be. At- Spike used to be in Jersey. That's how we'll refer to him from now on. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And like to see the uh, Yankees. I'm looking over my shoulder again, the Yankees. Uh, still clinging to that 3-2 lead. Danny is in uh, Clifton. Danny, what's going on? Yeah, three points, Gordon. How are you doing this afternoon? Happy I'm good, Easter. man. What's going on? All right. First off, uh, I don't know why we didn't trade this uh, that, that guard, the point guard. I mean, God bless him. Uh, Spike had a good point. His only contribution is he can get to the rack, but he can't shoot worth the lick. So that means, Pay- you know, the defense has collapsed on us. Right. Uh, yeah, I forgot to get well, Orlando. I mean, do, but you, do know, you think oh. that there's a big market for uh, – do you think that you're saying we should have traded for somebody or you should have traded Peyton? They traded Peyton because, I mean, yeah. listen, the Knicks have enough with what Peyton gives. They have enough on their team to actually, you know, uh, satisfy what he does. His, his only contribution is he can drive to the basket. Sometimes he finishes, sometimes he doesn't. But, you know, the second half is here. People know he can't shoot. They collapse, and then they're starting to clog up on Julius. Second yeah. point, uh, obviously, <laughs> we should have made some kind of move to uh, get somebody in here. And I guess I guess it dovetails with the first point to back up Robinson because, you know, you're asking a lot to continue to ask Nerlens Noel and uh, Taj to play the center spot. We need some kind of defensive presence. A night like last night, maybe a couple block shots or two, a couple of deterrents might have helped, you know, win that game. And the previous games. And the yeah, previous I games, mean, look, too. I understand what you're saying, but to me it's much more about the offensive side. And I, I get that if you could have made a deal, you know, one of these minor deals that were out there to be made – um, yeah, maybe that would have changed the Knicks' fate. But, I, I mean, I just take a look Nothing at major, yeah. it. Doesn't, it doesn't matter who they would have brought in if Randall is going to shoot like he did last night, like uh, Barrett's been playing the last couple of games. they got to figure out how to yeah. get those guys back out of the funk that they've been in and whatever reason it is for that funk. Absolutely. And, and thirdly, uh, let's not kick Obi Toppins back in. This guy, he does everything we want him to do. It's just unfortunate that Randall's so damn good, you know, Randall's an all-star, and Obi Toppin is a great young player. But there's nobody who got drafted like he did in the top ten, unless they're injured, who are getting, like, no minutes. The guy gets no minutes, four minutes. Yeah, but, I mean, in fairness, he has, I mean, for good stretches of the season, he's looked completely lost. Now, I think that part of that was the injury, which came earlier in the year. It kind of got him out of, uh, you know – hitting the ground running in the rookie year, and it's a rookie year with Thibodeau, so I think that that might be a little bit of an issue too. But there's been stretches this season where he has looked lost on the court. Like, he didn't really look at RJ. have a real plan. I, I got you, Gordon. I got yeah. you. But look at RJ. RJ, who started and got minutes, was lost for long periods of time. His development is tremendous, okay? Stopping gets no de- real development time and game time. And I can't blame Randall. And Randall's great. Randall's great. Last year, I was like, ah, Randall. 
He's great. But yeah, Obi Toppin, you got to hybrid this situation and find a way to get Obi Toppin minutes. You got to find a way to get him some other lineup type minutes with, and be on the floor at the same time as Randall, so he's not playing four minutes and a half. That's all. Yeah, no, well, look, Danny, I w- and thanks for the call. I would completely agree with you. Last night, he should have gotten more ton, uh, more run than he did last night, but he, it, it's also on him. Last night was the first time in a while where he actually looked like, you know, he had an actual plan in the game. There's been lots of stri- – I mean, we joke about it uh, on ESPN New York tonight, me and Larry, about how there's times on the- – it's like he got dropped in from something else he was doing, and all of a sudden he's in the middle of a basketball game. So – I get it. It's it's tough because there's not going with, with Tom Thibodeau. It doesn't seem like development time is he's not scheduling developing time during games. That might happen in practice. That might uh, you know happen in other times, but not during games. You have to show you have to produce when out on the court. And Obi, for whatever reason, has not been able to to do that this year for good stretches of the year. Now I think if he plays like he did last night more regularly. That time will come, but you have to kind of earn that first. You got to, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, it's different because it's, Knox has been here for a long time, but there's a reason why Knox doesn't ever play because he doesn't show. If he doesn't show, you got to show it first before you can ask for the time. It's not going to be the type of thing where you're like, well, give me this time and then I'll produce. No, produce first and then you'll get the time. This hoops update brought to you by Truly Hard Seltzer this March. Crack open, no, it's not March anymore. This April, crack open any month. Crack open a Truly Hard Seltzer and stay refreshed while you enjoy your favorite March basketball team in action with the official Hard Seltzer of the Big East Conference. Truly Hard Seltzer, enjoy responsibly. And of course, the uh, NCAA Final Four kicks off tonight. The uh, NCAA apparently is not going to take my suggestion of having the other three teams in the Final Four all play Gonzaga at the same time. That would have that would have opened it up, right? That would have made it far more competitive because it's not been competitive so far. I can tell you that much. Win it every game by double digits. You know, for history, that's fantastic. For the case of we're the best team or we had the best season of all time, that's great. We won all these games by double digits. Uh, the, the actual viewing experience, not so great. Not, it's all wonderful to say I got to see this, the most dominant team, first team in 45 years. Eh, the actual viewing experience, it, it leads to a little distraction. I'm not going to lie. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Let's go out to uh, Trevor. is in Brooklyn. Trevor, what's going on? Not much, Gordon. How you doing? I'm good. Um, just, just. Uh, I'm not too sure what the, uh, the the previous caller was was saying. Uh, first of all, Robson got hurt after the trade deadline, so he was talking about having a backup for Noel and Taj. They were the backup for Robinson. Right. There was nothing we could do about that. And he he's talking about Obi Toppin being a great young player. Other than last night was by far his best game. Mm-hmm. He has been god awful. Yeah, he's, he's, he's lost on the lost. court. Have you ever seen somebody shoot as many air ball threes in your life? Uh, <laughs> as, a, as the eighth pick it, in the it draft? Is, no, probably unbelievable. not. So far, he's been uh, a Frank Milikina 2.0. All he does is get in there, dribble handoff, and he's lost. It was good to see him go to the basket the way he did yesterday. That's what we need out of him. Yeah. Um, as far as Kevin Knox, like, if right now the G League was around, that would be the perfect place for Toppin because – his confidence is shot. He's going to push around, and he just looks good on the court. At least when Knox gets his chance, 
he can hit a three, and he, he seems to, to you know try to take advantage of the few minutes he gets. He try you know he hustles and yeah, he don't play any defense. He produces a few points. No, he doesn't. He doesn't yeah. play any defense. And if you don't play defense with with Thibodeau, you're, you're not going to play. I mean, and it's not like well, even the Toppin. shots that he takes, it's uh, it's all that great either. What's that? Neither does Toppin. I think he plays more defense um, than than Knox does, though. Uh, uh, it's not saying much, but <laughs> all right. So, so years pass, you know, five plus years, the Knicks would consistently lose games like they did against the Timberwolves. It's only happened a couple of, a couple of times this year. Would, would you have, uh, would you sign up for beating the Mavericks? Yes. But you expect us to beat the Mavericks? No. No. And even, uh, they were kind of in that game the whole time. It just got away the last like four minutes of the game. So tonight they need to bounce back. Get a big, get a big win, and you just cannot let this, uh, you know, Mushroom. start. You know, right. yeah, just you going be, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And, and Trevor, thanks for the call. With the Knicks, I, I never feel confident that they're going to go on some six-game winning streak. But I feel like with what I've seen so far this year, I'm confident they're not going to lose six in a row as well and really drop below 500. And in the past. It's been kind of a joke. It's like four or five games into the – maybe sometimes it's the first game of the year with the Knicks the last 20 years where they get under 500, and you just knew. They're not, that, that's, that's the last time they're seeing break even this year. They've kind of been floating around this area all season. They're, they're an okay team that has been able to take care of business and beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. That's what makes that Timberwolves loss just absolutely inexcusable. And the anger that you might have after losing to the Mavericks last time out I think it's really just the residue of the anger you have from losing a game against the Timberwolves where you were in control of that game for large stretches of the game, and it was like a one-and-a-half, two-minute span in the fourth quarter where it all went away, and you were kicking it around the rest of the night. So, And you were kicking yourself for losing a game like that. You cannot – they have a hard enough schedule the rest of the way. They cannot afford to lose games like that. They can't – obviously, if they lose tonight, oh, sound the alarm. Sound the alarm because the panic will have be, it will be full blown panic. It will be level what is it level five DefCon? I always get that wrong. I think it's level five is the highest DefCon, and uh, that will be what the Nick panic level will be. If it's one, it's one. I don't know. I think it's five. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go out to Richard is in Manhattan. Richard, what's going on, buddy? Gordon, the four best Nick players last night. Rose. Quickly, right. Right. Randall, and Barrett. They were all the four really of them like shot 10 for 500. Right. What were 11 they? for 50. Right. Yeah, 22 for 11 for 50. Yeah. Top, Toppin should have played a little bit more. Absolutely. I mean, you know, 11 for 50. Four of them combined played, I think, a total of 117 minutes, and they got to the foul line cumulatively, cumulatively four times. Four players got to the foul line four times in 117 minutes. I mean, they were just bad, the four of them. I would have expected Opie to play at least 20, 22 minutes. I don't think Thibodeau was ready to play him. Right. You know, he was so shocked by how well he right. was. Yep. I think but that's I, what but happened. I mean, look, he, he's a good coach. You have to kind of read right. the situation no, but I'm in just real my time. Opinion. 
Yeah. My opinion. And Rose looked at that fourth quarter. The Knicks looked terrible. Yeah. Rose did not get the team in sync. They never looked like they got a good shot off. It was awful. That fourth quarter was probably the worst Knicks fourth quarter I've seen this year. But it's okay. Listen, one bad quarter, it's not bad. All right, let's go to the Yankees. Uh, but lose Gordon, tonight, and I, it's and it's it, look. If you lose tonight, then then there's it's all. I mean, yeah, we're gonna stop panicking. I know, yeah. I know. I don't want the season to go down for nothing. Uh, Gordon, the Yankees. There's a Thursday. I gotta commend and applaud Aaron Boone in the ninth inning of that game. Bottom of the ninth, the game is tied. I saw two things from the Yankees I haven't seen since Billy Martin, Mickey Rivers days. Okay, what did he do? One, he, he, he pinch ran two guys, two guys in the ninth inning. I mean, he only has four guys on the bench. He pinch, well, you can pinch run a, a pinch hit, run a, a pitcher, that's true. But pit, he pinch ran two position players, Talkman and Gardner, in the ninth inning. He was going all out. I give Boone credit. And the other thing. And I don't remember the last time, maybe Mickey Rivers under Billy, uh, Billy Martin or maybe Ricky Henderson under Dallas Green. I don't know. Talkman stole second and then stole third in the bottom of the ninth of a tie ball game. That was yeah. really pushing the – come on, in this day and age of strikeout, home run, walk, baseball, where that's right. all you see. You still didn't get him home, though. <laughs> that's the problem. Oh, it doesn't matter. That's not yeah. – what, what I said openly was – I applaud Aaron yeah. Boone. Boone, okay. you cannot fault Boone. No, and I he think that he, he read well. the. Look, I think that in situations like that, and Richard, thanks for the call. You can only bring the horse to the water. Right. You can't make the the horse drink the water. And, and he took his shot when he had a shot, right? Like sometimes you you can think to yourself, well, you know what? I want to save that. I want to. Uh, I, I don't want to use that here. Let you know. Sometimes your best reliever, you don't use him in the sixth inning because oh, I'm gonna. If I use him here, I don't have him in the eighth inning. But the game's on the line in the sixth inning, so you sometimes you have to use your best reliever in that moment. So yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying about the two pinch runners. That doesn't happen very often. The Yankees are not going to be scoring a whole bunch of runs, stealing bases, and and uh, that, that type of game is not really their game. But uh, there you go. Still didn't help. <laughs> Still, he needed to steal home was the, was the issue uh, on Thursday. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. I was just taking a look. Uh, what worries me about the Knicks tonight, I popped on the old fan duel. Knicks are only favored by a point and a half in Detroit against the Pistons team that is 20 games under 500. Having the Knicks having lost three games in a row and basic, I mean, this is... A you cannot, under any circumstances, lose this game. If, if you lose this game, the, the cracks on the ceiling are going to start to really show because the roof is about to cave in, right? You get the, is it the Celtics and then the Nets? No, I think it's the Nets and then the Celtics. So I'm saying I don't think that they'll lose six games in a row. Lose tonight, and you're probably going to lose six in a row because it looks like Durant, I, I'm sure he's not going to play heavy minutes, but it looks like at least the possibility that he is back for that next game. Let's go out to, uh, let's see here, who's next? Uh, Andre is in uh, Plainfield. Andre, what's going on? Hey, Gordon. What's Thanks up? for having me, man. Um, listen, uh, I, I love, you know, um, Thibodeau, but, you know, the, the, the old tendencies are starting to show. Um, he's a grinder. Um, going back to the Chicago days, when you talk about um, Luol Deng and, and, and Yoakum Noah and, 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 and Rose, they all, you know, succumb to injuries very early in their careers because of this. And then I actually had a colleague who, when he came to Minnesota, I called it. I said, you know, he's going to he's gonna play 
his core guys too many minutes, and it's starting to show that these guys are wearing down. And, you know, to, to, to the, uh, the previous caller's, you know, uh, point, that Toppin, right, if you look at his log, just look at his log. He only he only he averages under 12 minutes a game. There's no one, I don't care who it is, that's going to develop playing that little time on the court. And I think last night he just said, you know what, I'm just going to give him my all on the 11 minutes that I'm going to be given and let the chips fall where they may because no matter how good or bad I play, I'm only going to be locked into 11 minutes. And that was an opportunity to reduce Randall's time and, and RJ's time, and he just won't do it. And, and I hope he, he, he learned from it. If he wants to be here past five years or even five years of his contract, he has to make adjustments and develop talent or, he's, or, or the same thing is going to happen. Yeah, you know, but I, I understand point. what you're saying, but I mean, it, it's a two-way street, right? Like it has to be Toppin has to show you a little bit before you're just running him out there for 15, 18 minutes a if, night. But if you look at his log, there's been games where he's actually played well, and he's still got mm-hmm. eight minutes the next game. You have yeah. to build on his performances. Well, look, if he only plays he eight to seven, eight minutes tonight, I think you'll have a better case because he's if not. He knew, but if he knew he was playing 20 minutes, he'll play more free. Yeah. He's playing frantic because that, he knows in the minutes that he's given, he's not going to, he's not, he's got to show something, right? Yeah. If he knows that he's going to play that's, 20 that's minutes tonight, the way it's gonna work. you're going to see more from him. He, he's, I mean, and then, then they're doomed because he's never, I, I don't think Tom Thibodeau's style from what you can tell in this first year and just his career in general. And Andre, thanks for the call. I don't think that it's going to be ever a situation where he tells anybody, Hey, you're going to get 20 minutes, you know, just, just go out there and relax. He's just not that kind of be yourself, find your energy. You know, there's other coaches that are like that. I don't think, I don't think that Tom Thibodeau, is going to be one of those guys who's like, okay, you know what? For the next week and a half, next eight games, we're going to give you 15 to 18 minutes a night. You, you got to earn those minutes. It's just the way it is. And I think he did earn those minutes in the in the last game against the Mavs. And I'd like to see just how much of a run he gets tonight. But it also requires him to build on that performance. For lo- There's no other way to put it. Obi Toppin has been a major, major disappointment. Now, some of it is, is circumstance. I think the injury set him back. He's a rookie trying to, 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 to mix in here. And there's no break. There's no, there's no time where you can sit back and say, all right, let's everybody take a breath. No, it, it, it's, everybody's working in the same, at the same time for the same goal. So he, he's got to kind of hit the ground running. He did last night. Hopefully that's a sign of things to come. I think it's a bad job by, by Thibodeau last night, not getting him more of a time in the second half. That's on him. But I think that it is a two-way street. You just can't say this is all because of, of, of Tibbs that he has not gotten the run that he deserves because there's been a lot of times where he has struggled and looked completely, completely lost on the court. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Now, if you're wondering why, at least so far, like on opening day, uh, Aaron Judge had, uh, you know, self-admittedly, a very bad day. Today he's got a couple of hits, but still is not uh, driven in a run. Uh, it, it's all my fault because uh, I have a baseball, fantasy baseball league, and I took Aaron Judge, obviously putting the kibosh on any possibility of him having a good year. And you might say, you know, why would you do Well, look, I was sitting there. And, and he was available. And, and I'm in a, a league, instead of batting average, we play with OPS, on-base plus slugging, and it just it, I couldn't avoid him. Now, on the flip side, I also took Jacob DeGrom, so he's also doomed. Anything you get – the reason why 
the Mets have not played a game, I'm at least 50% responsible, I think, for the reason why the Mets have not played yet, because I took Jacob DeGrom. That's just the way it works, people. I'll let you know about it, right? I didn't hold it back. I didn't hold it in. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Yankees have gotten a couple more runs, so now up 5-2 on the Blue Jays. So who knows? Maybe, I don't know, maybe the season can still be salvaged. I don't want to speak too soon, but we'll see. All right, back to the phones, 1-800-919-ESPN. Uh, we've been talking about uh, the Knicks, the Knicks issues. And i, I got to be honest, only a point and a half tonight. They're favored by against the uh, Pistons. has got me a little worried, but we'll see. Evan is in Manhattan. Evan, what's going on, pal? Thank you uh, for picking up. Listen, uh, you know, they're, they're giving Julius Randle too much credit, and he's sliding. See, he's not a closer. He's always got the ball in his hands, and he's jacking up shots like a drunken cowboy. Now, if, Evan, if he would just throw the ball more, and they would use Toppin as a slasher, he's a natural slasher, and they would pass more. They would do a lot better. But Randall has a big ego, and and he never takes after, – after the games, they interview him, and it's like his poopy doesn't stink. But, Evan, he, I mean, look, Evan he, right, he's the man. reason why you're at where you're at. I mean, the reason you have whatever it is, 24 wins, yeah, but that's, is because enough, of Julius Randall. Okay? What's that? Because he still is not playing right. Just because, just because he's an all-star and he could, you know, he can play right. – but he reminds me of Carmelo Anthony because he shoots first, and it's not right, okay? And so but he's, he's, and he's your scorer. He's your all-star. He's your offense. Yeah, no, 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 he's not. He's not completely your offense. There's a, whole, a bunch of people that can shoot just Who? as he can. Who? Who are these people, Evan? Who, where do they belong? Where, where are they? Who are these people? The kid, uh, the kid in the backcourt, uh, what's his name? Quickly? Quickly, uh, uh, that's right. Okay, quickly, okay. Quickly can shoot just as good as name. Landon. Okay, right. Who uh, else? Okay, so even that. He doesn't okay, the so there's one enough. guy who can shoot on the team outside of Julius Randle, so Julius Randle should and be And also, also uh, um, you know, the kid from Duke. Uh, R.J. Barrett? The kid from Duke. R.J. I don't, the, Evan, this is not the week to make throw. the uh, argument that R.J. Barrett can shoot. I'm a big R.J. Barrett fan. No, I'm not saying he can shoot. No. I'm saying that he's a very serviceable – he's sort of like a small forward, but he's very right. serviceable because – Okay. He gets things done. He works on his game. Yes, Randall's ego. R- Randall's worked on his game. You you don't see uh, improvement from Julius Randall last listen, year to this year. All I'm saying is this: everybody works on the game if they're a pro. They're supposed to do that. All I'm saying is, so listen, he, man. This guy gets. He has to pass the ball more. Okay. He oh, has he, to he's share he's the actually ball pretty good at passing the ball. Court and jacking it up like a cowboy. Evan, right, thanks for the call. He's actually pretty good at passing the ball. He's averaging like five assists a game. So it kind of does. Wow. I mean, if you wondered how fast things could turn in this town, Julius Randle was the toast of the town. People, hey, he's our all-star. He's Make sure you sign him long-term. Lose three in a row. This guy's a bum. Get him out of town. I hate this. He thinks his, his poop doesn't stink. Wow. That turns fast. Turns fast. That's crazy. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Do I have time to take one more here? Let's go to Rich in Bayshore. Rich, what's going on, pal? Yeah, hey, what's going on? Going in front of the show. Hey, Julius Randle's a stud. I don't know what he was talking about. And <laughs> Very strange. And more assistant. Yeah, he's a stud. He's certified. He actually stepped up his game this year. But you know what? I actually think he's been playing hurt for, for a little while. Ever so since too. he landed on his back, went to White Howard, blocked him. Yep. Uh, so I, I think, think he's actually right. – uh, pl- I'm sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, I think you're right. He's yeah, obviously I, dealing I, with something. He doesn't seem right. He's not. He's yeah. He's not moving right. You know, he's not. He doesn't have the same swagger that he had before. And just his uh, motion, getting up and down the court, and getting into his routine, he doesn't seem right. He, even when he's passing, he's just he's just not the same person that he was in the first half of the season. So uh, between that, uh, and for the most part, I just wanted to say uh, another problem I think with uh, Obi Toppin is that when the Knicks drafted him, they didn't think that Julius Randle was going to be the player that he is. You know, saying so they True. probably put him in a position where he's behind the best player uh, on the team now, and it's kind of struggling because one, he doesn't have a real point guard to distribute the ball, and two, and he's sitting behind the best player on the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, look, that's fair. And I think, you know, we kind of have to keep in mind, and Rich, thanks for the call, that he is a rookie. And now, look, he's the eighth pick in the draft. You'd expect a whole lot more from him at this point. That's all fair, especially with the, the way he has looked at times. But look at, the dif- look at the difference between Randall from one year to the next, right? Look at the, the difference between Barrett one year to the next. So I understand that with how Toppin has played, it's very disappointing, and you really need something. I mean, the Knicks don't have a whole lot of talent on the roster, so any, any additional production they can get off the bench, especially for a guy who was the eighth pick in the draft, would be like a godsend right now. But I, I don't think that you should be uh, expecting that, uh, you know, just cashing the chips on a guy, even though he has had a disappointing season. So uh, I'm hoping that after his last performance, you know, y- you have to see the signs before you can, can feed it, right? You can't just go and say, hey, you're going to get the minutes no matter what because you were the eighth pick in the draft. <laughs> This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, yeah, it is. One hour. I mean, that was an hour? Like 15 minutes? But what twists and turns? We found out that Obi Toppin, I'm I'm starting to think that one of the calls basically had him as the rookie of the year. We had a caller who uh, wants to basically get uh, Julius Randle out of town. So we got a lot of stuff to do, and uh, who knows what twists and turns will be next. You never know. But by the way, I should mention this hoops update is brought to you by Tipico Sportsbook. Join Tipico Sportsbook in New Jersey and receive an instant deposit match up to 750 bucks. Let's make an interesting gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. And of course, uh, Final Four tonight, first game just after 5 o'clock, Baylor-Houston. And then, of course, tonight, uh, 834 is how they have it listed, gonzaga and number 11, UCLA. And, you know, just to touch on that for a second, boy, oh, boy, does the NCAA tournament need Baylor-Gonzaga for the title game? Boy, oh, my goodness, do they ever need that. As I said before, for history, it's great that Gonzaga has run through all – Gonzaga has run through all these games, but for the viewing uh, at the time, very tough to watch. Uh, I mean, they're blowing out everybody. Everybody. So if they don't get, could you imagine like Gonzaga versus Houston? You know, all credit to Houston, defensive style. It feels like everybody's defensive style except for Gonzaga. They're the one team that can score. UCLA can't score. Baylor can score some and they play some defense. So that would be a good matchup at Gonzaga-Houston or, or God forbid if UCLA won tonight. Oh, my UCLA-Houston next. Oh, that would be the entire appeal of the tournament this year for the casual fan like me was to see this historic thing. And it it is great. It's great for history to be able to point to and say, you know, I remember that the way they went through the tournament. Would it be too much to ask for one close game? 
One close game. I mean, people always criticize the, the women when UConn, the women's team, has run through these tournaments and just blown out everybody winning by. I mean, they're not, Gonzaga's not winning by 50 points a night, but they're blowing out every single team. These games in the second half, I mean, they can kind of do whatever they want. They've not broken a sweat so far. Every game has been by double digits. And this is saying something, considering that they came into the tournament, like everybody agreed the easiest bracket to begin with was the region that Gonzaga was placed in. And all right, fine. They're the number one overall seed, all those. They, they've see, they played teams 16, 8, 5, 6, and 11. The two, three, and four seeds in their own region, those were the teams they had already played this year, already beat this year. I mean, you need one close game. And if you, if you, I don't think you're going to get it tonight. So it's kind of, kind of have to be in the title game. So hopefully uh, we'll see if it, to me, tonight is more, much more about Baylor than it is about Gonzaga. You know, Gonzaga is going to win. I mean, that's not even a question. They're going to, uh, I, I would be shocked. I mean, that would be one of the, the, the all time upsets. UCLA being able to knock off Gonzaga in the, not even in the title game. I mean, to, to, for them to lose in the semifinals, oh, that would be just disastrous. And I think it would be kind of disastrous for the tournament. The, the, the appeal, I think, of, of the title game is to see if Gonzaga can kind of finish this off. Usually, even when you have dominant teams, you have at least one game where they've got to have to work for it, right? Final two minutes, it's back and forth, it's nip and tuck. They've not broken a sweat so far. So they got two, ga- you know, two games basically here to see if they do. And I don't think it's going to come tonight. All right, let's go back to the phone. That's your hoops update. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to uh, Doug is on Long Island. Doug, what's going on, pal? How are we doing, Gordon? I'm good, man. What's up? I'm good, too. Uh, you were spot on. Um, you know, last night, Tibbs, he, he had to go more with the bench. The first half... They, they, you know, at the point where they get, even into the second half, where they had 67 points, 34 were from the from the bench, and 33 mm-hmm. were from the starters. And he saw what happened at the end of the first half. He should have been quicker with it. Um, the problem is he's seen Toppin all year. He has no faith in Toppin. Yeah. Um, but I will say this. For the guy that called about Randall, Randall's averaging six assists a game and shooting <laughs> yeah, 41% from three. In, in fairness, Doug, I, don't, I think that team. that guy's issue with Randall are in his own head and not really based in reality. Um, and then the other thing with Quickly, as much as I love Quickly, the problem with Quickly is he makes nobody on the court better. His whole game is predicated on him being hot from three mm-hmm. and, uh, and the running uh, floating layup that he does. Yeah. The problem is, and you spot on, they don't have a point guard. And the one guy who handles the ball, Randall, there's really no shooters on this team. And Miami yeah. exposed them last week. And teams are now going to start doing what Miami's doing to the Knicks. You go zone on them. Dallas did it last night. When you go zone on the Knicks, Miami destroys them because they can't shoot from the outside. So going forward, you know, we got to set the ball a little higher as fans. I know nobody wants to get rid of nobody. Because we've been so bad for so long, and it was nice to even see 500. But in reality, other than Randall, who on this team sees significant minutes on a really good team? And I've told you I wanted ball before the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. They have to get a legitimate playmaker, a guy who can get that ball up court quick and get these guys in a position where they have an advantage on offense. 
So I'd like to hear what you think about that. Thank yeah, you, Jack I mean, Ford. I would have liked Ball. You know, that was the one name that I heard floated that I would have been interested in even before the deadline, and it kind of fits. It's, it not only fits a need where, I mean, how long have we t- – it's like Jet pass rusher, Nick point guard. What, what has been needed for longer? And you're hoping now that the Jets might actually have a pass rusher in Lawson. So it's about time that the Knicks do find a point guard. But uh, Ball was one of the names that was out there that I, w- I would have been interested in. And I think the Knicks have interest in him, but I think that they know that there's at least a possibility. I think what factors all of this, I think there's a possibility they can get him in the offseason. I think what factors into all of this is that they realize that with the way the Eastern Conference breaks down this year, they are going to be in the play-in. I mean, unless, and I will say that, unless Randall suffers a significant injury where he's out for a significant period of time, they are going to be one of the top 10 teams just based on math. The only problem with Ball is, I know they say he's improved as a shooter and I'm not watching him day in and day out. You know, you know the, the numbers about his shot. I mean, he doesn't have a great outside shot. Now, they say that that is, is improving. The numbers say that he's improving and he is still a young player. See, that's what I like about Ball is that he's still kind of in the same age range is what I'm looking to do here, right? I think he's only 23. He's not an established veteran that's been around the league for eight, nine years. Uh, you know, Oladipo was a name that was floated before the trade deadline. I'm not telling you he wouldn't help because you, you need some talent on this team. You need some shooters on this team. I would say if I was saying about guys that are going to be on, uh, he was saying about uh, what outside of Randall, what guys would you have faith in? I know he's played poorly here the last two games. I really like R.J. Barrett a lot, uh, and I like his mindset. You take a, Again, it's easy to get caught up in the expectations have changed. Look at every aspect of R.J. Barrett's game. He has improved in every area of his game this year as opposed to last year. Now, it's not always a giant step forward, but it's an improvement, and he's still 20. So I know that people are going to be down on him. It seems like he's far more polarizing because I guess it's because he's not flashy, right? Like nothing that he does is going to be flashy. So the fact that he's not and he doesn't do anything that, you know, just jumps off the page at you and says, oh, wow, you know, you can count on that. But he's kind of improving and good in every area. Defense is good. His shot has improved. I think you just got to give it a little bit more time. He's to me, the part of the, the Nick core is obviously Randall, it's Quickly, it's Barrett, and it's, uh, uh, you're hoping that Toppin shows you that, but he has not done that so far. You know, you're kind of hoping to find other pieces. It's important to keep in mind, this is year one. I know the Knicks have stunk forever, but this is really year one of getting things pointed in the right direction. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776 coming up. Let's get into the draft a little bit. We got uh, less than a month to go, people, until the, we find out which mock drafts are right. And, and now I think it's pretty clear at what spot the draft really begins. So we'll get into that next. It's Gordon Damer. It's 98.7 FM. It is ESPN New York. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Are we still selling it like the, we don't know what the Jets are doing it to? Isn't that cat out of the bag? Am I revealing too much here? Am I pulling the curtain back? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. The man behind the curtain is Zach Wilson. It's, they're, they're taking a quarterback at number two. And I love I love how people are still claiming, well, you know, Sam Darnold was a better prospect coming out of USC than Zach Wilson is coming out of uh, BYU. 
yeah, well, we got that one wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to. I don't know what else to say. There, there's plenty. Half of the prospects who are coming out this year, who came out last year, who came out the year before that, for for all time, they, for what for a, a variety of reasons, will turn out to be the wrong picks. It doesn't mean that they didn't belong going in the first round. That the, the, the reasoning behind, you know, the top 10, 12, 14 picks, everybody is going to agree these are. 10, 12, 14 of, the, of the, the best players that are coming out and that are available this year. And if they don't go, say if Zach Wilson did not go two, well, he would probably go three. If Penny Sewell does not go four, he'd probably go eight. Mika Parsons, if he doesn't go six or nine, he'd go a few picks later. So that doesn't mean that it will all be the right call. Half of the picks will turn out to be wrong. So I think we got to let go of this idea that Sam Darnold was a better prospect coming out three years ago. Yeah, we screwed it up. Well, I'm, I'm among them. I thought that that was the right pick for the Jets. And I'm not saying that the reasons why he hasn't succeeded are completely on him, but it was wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, just sticking with it. Well, you know what? It still might be right. We'll just keep going down that road. He was a better prospect three years. He'll be 45 years old, clinging to the hope. Well, you know what? He was a better prospect. It's got to turn out of it. No, it doesn't have to turn out eventually. We were wrong. All right, so let's get to the uh, NFL draft a little bit. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. What do they say? How many days was it? 28 days, 27 days until the NFL draft. So we have that much time, 26 days. I know I was in the ballpark that uh, we have that much time to figure out, to kind of crack the code. Because at this point, I don't know, maybe I'm giving this away. I think everybody kind of knows this by this point. If I know it at this point, I, like if you have something like that and ha- that happens in life and you think to yourself, how do people not know these things? I know it and I'm not smart, but I know it already. Well, number one, obviously, is going to be, be Trevor Lawrence, right? That's the, that's the pick that goes number one. We've known that from be- before the draft. We, once we found out who was picking there, we just could fill out that part of it. The, fir- the other part, we knew the whole time. For a while there, the Jets were doing a wonderful job of having us guessing. I mean, they really did have it going back and forth. One day, it seemed like it was going to be Zach Wilson. The other day, maybe they stick with Sam. There's been some other possibility, like when the draft, when we first started looking ahead of the draft, you're thinking, oh, who do you take it to? Is it, is it going to be Justin Fields? Is it going to be someone else? But now I think at this point, once the, the Dolphins and the Niners and the Eagles made their trades, it was pretty clear at that point, okay, it's going to be Zach Wilson that goes number two. The Jets are not going to have a, a curveball there. But now the draft really kind of, I guess, still starts at three because we all know that the Niners are going to take a quarterback, just not which one. But it certainly seems like that maybe, again, not writing it in pen, maybe in pencil, it certainly seems like Mac Jones is going to be the pick there. Now, I get it that right now is lying season. Right now is, is, is all smoke screens and it's all, you know, intrigue behind the scenes that pe- nobody's telling the truth. But just people who make their living on finding out this information, more than enough of them are starting to point to Mac Jones. Now, we might be surprised because it didn't seem like he was going to go that high. But, I mean, at this point right now, as we sit here on April 3rd with 26 days, I think, right? Uh, 26 days to go to, to before the draft, Mac Jones certainly seems like the pick. And I hope it is. Because Mac Jones going number three, I, could he be great? He could be. Could he be terrible? He could be. 
But what that really does is it kind of really opens up the draft because now you still have two quarterbacks who are going to probably go top 10 picks that are still on the board. And you know who should really be hoping for Mac Jones going three even more than Mac Jones is the Falcons sitting there at number four. Because right now, the Falcons seem like they're kind of rebuilding. They could maybe use a quarterback themselves because Matt Ryan's getting a little bit up there. But they have some other needs as well. If all of a sudden Mac Jones jumps up to three and Trey Lance and Justin Fields are still sitting there, that's the optimal situation. And the Falcons find themselves, maybe not to the same degree, but find themselves in the same situation that the Jets found themselves in when they were questioning what to do at number two, knowing that they weren't going to get Trevor Lawrence. Is there a quarterback that they love? Is there a quarterback that the Atlanta Falcons love in this draft, either Justin Fields or Trey Lance? If there is, well, fantastic. You found your quarterback or who you think is your quarterback for the next 10 years. Congratulations. But if you don't love one of those two guys, and I think there's more than enough red flags with both of them in terms of, you know, Lance not really playing all that many games, the, the criticism of, of Justin Fields and maybe, uh, you know, making decis- quick decisions on the field. But if you don't love one of those two guys, okay, fine. Find the team that does. And then you move down. And you stockpile picks because if you're not taking the quarterback there, we all kind of agree, you got the fourth pick of the draft. It's not like you traded into that spot. You, you earned that, that spot because of your record. You're kind of maybe in a little bit of a rebuild situation, even with an aging quarterback. So move down to, uh, I don't know, maybe eight, maybe nine. And uh, th- those are the two teams that certainly seem like they're still in the market for a quarterback, the Panthers and the Broncos. And stockpile picks from that point forward and allow one of those teams – to move up. That's the only way to go. So I think this draft is, I mean, the fact that I know when it was first floated that quarterbacks could go one, two, three, and four, I said, there's no way. I mean, this silly mock draft season, these people are getting crazy with their idea, but it certainly seems like that is a very good possibility and why it's so unexpected is because I did not think that Mac Jones, it's almost like Mac Jones had this amazing season and nobody noticed it until we got into this part of the year. He put up all these amazing numbers during the season. And then all of a sudden the season was over. And, oh, well, you know what? You know who had a really good year? Mac Jones. So I, I think it would be great if he does go three, uh, mostly as well for my own fate, because with the Dolphins sitting there at six, what I want is the four quarterbacks to go. And then number five, you either take uh, Penny Sewell or Jamar Chase, and that allows Kyle Pitts to be sitting right there. Oh, that would be fantastic. I want to name my firstborn Kyle Pitts-Damer. I think it just flow. It just has a nice ring to it, Kyle Pitts-Damer. The problem is my firstborn is 13 years old. And the paperwork to change a name legal in this day, it's just outrageous, let me tell you. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. We've also clarified DEFCON 1 is the most severe. So if the Knicks were to ever lose tonight to the Pistons, Coverage right here at uh, 7.30, following Chris Carlin, 7 o'clock. What time is pregame for Knicks tonight? So I can give the people the right information there, Jacob. We'll, 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 we'll effort that information. But the Knicks are coming up tonight. Uh, if they were to ever lose the Pistons tonight, oh, my Lord. It would be, uh, it's a cookbook. It's a cookbook time uh, in, among the uh, Nick fans. And the Nick haters, oh, my God. You think that the daffodils are sprouting. Those Nick haters, oh, my God. They're just sitting. They're sitting right now in a chair, 
and they're just kind of rocking back and forth like Leo Mazzoni. Remember Leo Mazzoni, the Braves pitching coach back in the day? He'd just sit there and rock back and forth, back and forth. Oh, those Nick haters, they're out there. They've been kind of silenced a little bit because the team has had some success, but oh, they're waiting. They're waiting right now. And a loss tonight, oh, forget about it. They will be out in full force tomorrow. They might not even wait till tomorrow. Third quarter, the Knicks are trailing against the Pistons. They will be out in full force. I'm just warning you. I'm warning you now. Those Nick haters, they're out there, and they're waiting. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Let's go out to, uh, let's see here. Eli is in Newark. Eli, what's going on, buddy? Okay, brother, uh, first things first, hope all is well with your family, friends, and loved ones. Thank you. Same to you. That's always first. Uh, I'm a Knicks fan, a Giants fan, a uh, quick word about both. Okay. I think the Knicks, they're going about things the right way, you know what I mean? Uh, like Captain Kirk said, yes, you go. But now with Barrett, yeah, he's young, he's getting better. But I think it's unfair because a lot of Knicks fans are still wishing, hoping they would have got that lottery so they can got Zion. And he's going to always be compared to Zion. It's not fair, but it is what it is. That Zion, he's just gone through the roof. Yeah, and well, look, if, if the comparison is between R.J. Barrett and, and, and uh, Zion, he loses. <laughs> I don't know. You know, yeah, it would have been great I'm to get Zion. You didn't get him. He's a better player. But some fans, they ain't got over it, but they need to. But anyway, yeah, they need to. the Giants, you know, I've liked what the Giants doing, too. It's just that uh, Patriots uh, switch uh, from 15 to 11. I'm trying to think who's going to be available for the Giants at 15. I don't know. You know your ideas? Well, look, I mean, 15, you're kind of relying on how the board goes. And, Eli, thanks for the call. I think what's fair to say, and it's, it's a little bit different, right, because the Giants are uh, – this is the first time under Gettleman where it's not going to be abundantly clear who the pick is going to be. Last three times, we knew who the pick was going to be by far because of, of just where the Jets – excuse me, where the Giants were picking in the draft. It was clear with Barkley. It was clear with Daniel Jones. It was clear last year it was going to be one of the offensive linemen. You just didn't know which one. This year, sitting at 11, I know there's been a lot of talk that they'll move down to 15 with the Patriots. We shall see. I think it's clear that it's probably going to be a defensive player, and I would think, all things being equal, that you would love to have it be a pass rusher. It just doesn't seem like this year is the year for pass rushers. But I, think, I would think that it's probably going to come on that side of the ball. But sitting at 11, I think what you're doing is you're going to sit and, and see if one of these guys that are projected to go in the top 10 fall. If Mika Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State, were ever to be there at 11, I think that that's a possibility. Uh, if Patrick Sertain, uh, the second, is sitting there uh, out of Alabama – I think that that's a possibility, even after the, the moves that they've already made in the secondary. I think that it's definitely going to come on the defensive side of the ball. But what player that is, you've got to kind of have wait and see how the draft goes because it, it certainly seems like there's a good possibility that out of all the defensive play, even though it's not really a great defensive draft, certainly not a great pass rusher draft, according to those that really focus on these things, it's very possible that the Giants get the first player. They pick the first player on defense in this entire draft. Because if it's not Parsons, um, I know the kid was at Rousseau, the, the kid from Miami. It, doesn't, it seems like he's dropped down a bit, and some people say that he might not even go in the first round. Uh, there's a pass rusher out of Georgia that it doesn't seem like he's going to go in the top 10. So if it's not Parsons and it's not Sertain, it doesn't seem like there's going to be that many defensive players going in the top 10. And the Giants sitting at 11, they could very well have their, their, the pick of all the defensive players. 
Uh, let's go out to Lonnie is on Long Island. Lonnie, what's going on, buddy? Yes, how are you doing, Gordon? How's it going? I'm good, man. What's up? Well, I got a few questions. One is the Knicks, and I'm going to go right to the Jets after. Okay. The, the problem with the Knicks, Randall's tired. He needs to rest. Second, Poppin needs to learn how to take a turnaround jump shot. Someone needs to come in there. Bernard King, show him how to do that. And they need a consistent point guard play. They don't have it. They need that. Now, Jets. Yeah, they don't have a point oh, guard. Oh, my Jets. Yeah. Okay, go the ahead. The Jets need to trade Sam Donald before the draft. If they don't trade him before the draft, they're not going to get as much for him. He's, he's not going to do anything. He hasn't done anything from the USC. I've seen it in USC. He's still doing the same thing that from there. He's just not that guy. We need to move on. I'm playing as Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, and we build around that, reset the clock, and that will give the, the guys some time to, to build the team because they're young and they can build a good team. But Sam Donald, not, they're not going to do it with him. They're not because he's going to cost too much money. Yep. He'll find. Yep. I'm not paying him $30, $40 million. He's just not that kind of player. Well, I think, I'm I, the, sorry. Yeah, Lonnie, I think that the fifth-year option, I actually think it works out to be about $25 million, but I think the point still remains, and thanks for the call. Yeah, I mean, look, I think what's fair is you can say that the Jets and Joe Douglas misread the market on Darnold. Now, I'm not telling you that there was ever going to be a first-round pick out there, but you can't have a year where one-third of the teams in the league Change quarterbacks. I think it's nine teams are going to change quarterbacks. And you have a quarterback who you are willing to deal, and you only end up no, – nobody ends up dealing for him. Uh, it doesn't seem – I didn't expect that there were going to be teams knocking down the Jets' door to get Sam Darnold, but I would have thought that by now there would have been at least a couple of teams that would have been vying for him. It really seems like if you take a look at what teams are, go- are still in the market for a quarterback, if it's not Carolina or Denver, where is he going? Think about the teams that have made some of the changes to the quarterback this year. The Bears, willingly, no one was holding a gun to their head, at least so far as we know. They willingly decided to go with Andy Dalton as their quarterback. Washington, I mean, as puzzling as a decision as there is, decided to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, I love Fitzpatrick, but I think at this stage of his career, he's probably better suited as a backup. And he he looks like he's going to be their starting quarterback for a team with an improving defense, a team that won the division last year. So, yeah, very, very strange that the Jets, it seems like right now the best they're going to do is a third-round pick. Maybe they can – uh, float that up to a second round pick if it's like down the road some maybe 2022 2023 I, I don't know I, it doesn't really seem like there's a market out there for Sam Darnold and it's kind of strange consider it, people are still clinging to the fact that well he was a better prospect coming out of USC it seems like the teams around the league have have let go of that scouting report I think it's time that maybe everybody else does too Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Taking you up till 6 o'clock. Yankees uh, clinging to a nice little 5-3 lead over the Blue Jays as they uh, try and get their first win of the season. And, of course, we've been talking a lot about uh, the Knicks, the NFL draft, the Jets, the Giants. Let's get back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Ira is in Staten Island. I've not spoken to Ira in quite some time. Ira, what's going on? 
Hey, Gordon, good to hear you. Glad it sounds like your family's well. And uh, it's just, uh, it's amazing. It's unbelievable how the Dolphins, I never felt that they were going to stay at three and how they just pretty much took away most of the uh, early intrigue, at least the Jets fans at number mm-hmm. two. And I'm happy they did because I want to go Zach Wilson. And uh, it pretty much is a gimme at this point. But, you know, it's interesting. You were saying about how maybe the Jets might have kind of not read the value with Donald and moving on and trading him. I, I yeah. kind of get they didn't want to show their hands, but I kind of agree with it. I, I think they could have pulled the trigger a little earlier and maybe moved them. But I do believe, you know, maybe they'll get like a fourth-round pick that'll work up to, you know, conditional to a third round, whatever it might be. But I, I think a good landing spot for, for Sam is really the Steelers. And I think your Roethlisberger, you know, he's probably not going to play 16 games. They still got Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins, and I think Donald has, you know, a lot more potential than either one of them. And I think, he, you know, he could go there, get his head right, sit, and learn behind Roethlisberger. And if he happens to miss a couple of games, I think Sam could probably step in there, and he could probably do a decent job. So I think that's one trade I would keep an eye on. Yeah, well, look, I mean, the Steelers seemed like a real possibility up until the the move for Haskins, because like, if are you going to have, are you going to trade something like, say, a conditional fourth round pick for another quarterback when you've already got kind of a, a failed first round pick and Dwayne Haskins already sitting on your roster? That's the only part of it that it would, I, I would think would, unless they just decide to cut bait with Haskins and, and maybe Haskins hasn't showed him anything. But it would seem kind of strange that you would have two project quarterbacks sitting behind Roethlisberger. Well, they may get rid of Rudolph and maybe end up keeping Haskins and, and, and Donald because they kind of know what Rudolph is at this point. Maybe that's the guy they, they cut bait on. And as for the quarterbacks, you know, whether San Francisco takes Mac Jones, I know he has been saying it, a lot of people, um, I, I could see it. But, man, oh, man, it's going to be real. I, I just don't see how the Falcons – I'm going to pass on a quarterback. I know they have Matt Ryan. He's still a very productive quarterback. But they have to they, – they, you know, they've got to look down the road. And right. if Justin Field or Trey Lance is sitting there, um, I, I think it's going to be hard for the Falcons to pass on either one of them. Well, look, if they've scouted them, Ira, and Ira, thanks for the phone call. If they've scouted them and they don't like, say, it's Lance and, and Fields that are sitting there, if, they don't, if they're not convinced – and I would th- the way I look at it all the times is – is this the guy? Are you confident? Are you betting your job that this guy is going to be the right guy as your quarterback? Because if you do, well, then by all means, go get that guy, and then you have that position locked up for the next seven, eight, nine, ten years. But if you're not willing to bet on it, if you don't feel confident, right? If Trey Lance to you, you just say, you know what? Well, his skills are great. He's played basically 15 games in college at North Dakota State. Or if you say to Justin Fields, you know, I like some of the physical abilities, but maybe for whatever reason, it does seem like he's dropping in the draft. If you don't like those two guys, okay, fine. That's fine. Just go find who does love those guys. And you'd have to think between Lance and Fields that there's a team out there, and at least there's some competition, you would think, between the the Panthers and the Broncos. Now, it's not going to be where the Jets are because the far more people obviously like Zach Wilson, if the Jets had decided to go down that road in terms of trading the pick, they would obviously, with what the Niners gave up, right? Look at what the Niners gave up to move to three. Far more teams would have been interested, including the Niners, to move up to two. I, mean, I don't know if other people heard uh, the uh, the comments uh, this week by, um, uh, oh, where, where, I have it here someplace. 
uh, by Steve Young. He was talking uh, to a station, I think it was out in San Francisco, saying about how Zach Wilson would have loved to have gone to the Niners and how the Niners absolutely love Zach Wilson. So the Niners gave up all they did to move to three with the knowledge they're not going to get Zach. Well, I mean, we think that he's, they're not going to get Zach Wilson. So think about how much the Jets would have been able to get, get if they had decided to go that route. Now, they didn't. Zach Wilson seems like it's going to be the pick, and it seems like, again, if you love the guy, and I, you'd have to say if the Jets are picking him too, they love that guy, well, then by all means, get the quarterback. That one decision is the most important decision you have. And what I would say about the Falcons is that they, you would like to think you're not going to have the fourth pick in the draft if you're the Falcons very often. So if there is one of those guys that you love, either Trey Lance or, or Justin Fields or if Mac Jones is available and you do love him, well, then that's the way that you should, uh, you should probably go. But I, I just think that the draft this year is going to be absolutely fascinating. And if it is quarterbacks one through four, well, that not only sets up well for the Falcons if Mac Jones goes three because then their pick is more valuable if there are two quarterbacks that are in demand at number four. But then the Bengals at five, they have a fascinating decision in that do you take Penny Sewell there? If he's still on the board, right, the big offensive lineman to p protect Joe Burrow, or do you go with the guy in Jamar Chase who Burrow threw, what was it, 20 touchdown passes two in a year? It would seem like it would be very hard to pass up on a guy. Now, just because you don't take Penny Sewell at four doesn't mean you don't improve the offensive line. You can improve the offensive line in other ways than using the uh, fifth pick in the draft on it. I would just think it would be very hard for the Bengals and their clear franchise quarterback to pass on a guy as a weapon that you know you can team those two guys up for the next seven, eight, nine years and feel pretty confident in the connection between the two. And then, of course, that would work out great for me that uh, Kyle just so happens that Kyle Pitts is just sitting there at number six. That's the guy I've wanted uh, the whole time. And I think that even when we the, the Dolphins were at three, I think I would have wanted uh, Kyle Pitts. Now, that would have been a little high because there were teams that were interested in quarterbacks, and that's what you do. It seemed clear throughout the whole process that the Dolphins were going to move down from three to some point. And I'd like to think that the, the, the decision to move to six was because that's the point where Pitts is going to be available. My concern is, is that the Dolphins are going to go with Devontae Smith. And, and that one is, a, I like him as a player, but you just, it's hard to get past the 170 pounds. It's hard to get past the fact that he is that slight. Now, I know that it didn't hold him back, obviously, when the Heisman Trophy and all those type of things. But you're, if you're building an NFL team and all the praise that the Dolphins have gotten for the way they've gone about building their team, they will now have a 5'11 quarterback who they selected after major hip surgery, and then they'll be taking a receiver who's 170 pounds. It's just, uh, I don't know. You don't want to lock yourself into, well, you can't, there can't be outliers, but you don't want to build a team full of outliers either. I just think that that's not a smart way to go. So I'm sure I'll be disappointed on draft night in 26 days. Let's go back to the phones, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Danny is on Long Island. Danny, what's going on, pal? Good afternoon, uh, Gordon. How's everything going on? I'm good? good, man. What's up? Yeah, listen, the other morning, it was odd. The, uh, the morning show had, had a segment called Florida Man, Yes or No. I said, wow, that sounds remotely familiar to me. Who they was this, DCR? You D no, DCR yeah. apparently had that before I was doing Florida Man. And, oh, and, you've been doing it for years, I, my I, friend. I was not aware that they were doing it, but uh, yes. you know, two, two, yeah. uh, two, two great ideas uh, pulled off uh, you know, simultaneously. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery, once said. 
Uh, I, I always enjoy Iris Call. Nobody knows more about the Jets and speaks about it passionately, but yet education, you know, n- mm-hmm. with knowledge. Yes. As a Steelers fan, earlier in the year when people were talking about Sam Donald for a one, I, I, Steelers, I would never have gone for that. But if, if you're talking about a fourth-round pick to put Donald on the bench, and see what's, that's practically nothing. I mean, I don't think there's a team in the league that doesn't have a, 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 a backup quarterback that wouldn't t- trade their conditional fourth-round pick to get Sam Donald. I mean, he's got to, even if I had an established starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 would, be, yeah, you would be taking a chance at, at, a, at an undervalued resource that was valued far more highly just a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think that there would be a lot of teams that would be lying. You know, if you're talking a third round, you know, conditional third round, maybe a fourth round that can move to a third round if he plays a certain amount of time or this or that. Yeah, I think that's where – but unfortunately, that's where the value is. And that's sad that's considering that you went into an offseason, right? I, like, I always thought that the first-round pick was, was too high anyway. But to now be th- talking about more of a third-round pick for, for what it looks like for Darnold, it does um... – And I'm going to talk about the new schedule, if I, if I have extra minute here. Sure, go ahead. So, so now, as far as I know, before the season – before each season starts, the, the new 17th game will be added in, and you'll, the, the formula is that you will play a team in the other conference – who finished in the same place in the division as you did. So, for instance, the Washington Redskins, if they're mm-hmm. chosen to play the AFC East, will have to play Buffalo. So I looked at the futures bets three weeks ago, and those odds have now changed, some of them fairly dramatically, because you don't win your division in the NFL by five-and-a-half games going away, like it's the national, like it's the baseball. You win usually on tiebreakers. So if you add – a first round, you're basically adding the Green Bay Packers to the Steelers' schedule this year. That's a significant hardship. You're now playing a three. You're three extra games now, are all against division champions. That's 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 a big uh, road to hoe. I didn't know that that. W- I mean, it would make sense because I know the Dolphins are playing the Giants next year, and I know you know several of the opponents, but not all of them. I didn't realize that that, that was the determining factor. Is that going to be the determining factor from now? That's on? the determining factor. You hmm. play. You play the team that played in the, that that finished in the same position as you. So the Steelers, who already have a, a playoff schedule, their two extra games in AFC are against Buffalo and Kansas City. Will now have to play maybe the Green Bay Packers. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, that's that's, a t- that's not an easy schedule. But look, it, maybe you'll have uh, Sam Darnold for a fourth round pick. Oh, I, I, I can't even <laughs> sleep. I just thinking about that. It's, it's, it's a Christmas day. I can't believe yeah. it. All right, Danny, thanks for the Good call. Good talking 1-800-919-ESPN, to you, pal. Nine one nine ESPN one hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. I did not know that that was the determining factor for. I thought that was it makes sense for this year. I didn't know that it was the ter- ter- the determining factor moving beyond this year. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on ninety eight point seven ESPN.